time where the phone never stops ringing. Cold calls and spam emails seem to pour in endlessly. And there is always someone that wants to buy you lunch for the chance to make you a client. This is where real salespeople pitch solutions to real problems while we snuff out the BS. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast with your host, Voron Spivak. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast. This is a special edition of Oil & Gas Pitch. And the reason why it's special is because my guest today, I invited. The more I learned about this company, the more I found out what they were doing, not just in the community, but with the environment, I kind of felt like this is my platform. I want to share this story. I think time and time again that when we find out a company is not just doing good things in business, but really for the world, uh, those stories need to be told. And so I'm very excited to have John Gibson with me today. I don't want him to talk yet because I actually have an intro written for this to give you guys an idea of why this means a lot to me. John Gibson Jr. joined Flowtech a little more than a year ago as a chairman, chief executive officer and president. John has been in energy for 35 years in global leadership roles, including CEO of Landmark and later president of Halliburton Energy Services. And early in his career, he led Chevron's subsurface research group, and he's had a number of impressive experiences throughout his career. Prior to joining Flowtech, John led investment banking firm Tudor Pickering Holtz Energy Technology Group, so he has evaluated nearly every up-and-coming technology in the energy industry, and he's passionate about discovering new and unique technologies that can transform the energy industry. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, there's really a, a whole lot to talk about with that. Flowtech has had an incredible journey since John has joined. And last year, not only did they use their expertise in specialty green chemistries to launch a new line of cleaning and sanitizing products, but they also acquired a company called GP3, uh, which measures hydrocarbon composition in real time across the full hydrocarbon stream. So sorry about that. I had to do it. I just needed a few minutes is all. <laughs> I'm not sure I need to say anything. <laughs> you know, a... I really want you to understand something. When I first went to Flowtech, right, it was my first time ever. Mark LaCord walks me in, and there's orange trees growing in the lobby, right? And that's kind of not a usual thing. And then I kind of walked down through the auditorium, which what offices have an auditorium? Flowtech does. And... As, you know, within the first three to five minutes of just being in your home base, I realized that what you guys are doing, how you're leveraging nanotechnology, I don't know what the nanotechnology with orange peels and what it's doing for not just the oil and gas industry, but you're really doing things across the board. Um, I just was impressed. But here is where, you know, I'm alluding to environmental is a big deal. But when you were talking about when COVID came out, which we all remember those days where there's no toilet paper, there's no hand sanitizer, there was really a shortage of a lot of things for a lot of people. What Flowtech did to just become really a source, a resource for the homeless in several different municipalities, for the first responders in several municipalities, and how you as a leader made these adjustments for me is why it's such an honor and pleasure 
for you to be here. And I want to I want to tell that story today. Well, you are kind, and uh, I, it's a great story, but it's a team story. I mean, I I tell you, as CEO, it, you have ideas, and and you really try to build a culture where you're virtuous. And this company had had some historic issues, and so that moment in time where you can seize it and say, we're going we're gonna to really be a virtuous company now. And I reached out to our head of chemistry and, and said, what can we do to help? And, and homeless have always been a part of my, my heart, and particularly here in Houston. Who cares about them? Who, who cares about the least is the, is the people that uh, are the best to me. And so we, I asked him, can we do some hand sanitizer, disinfectants for these guys? And I, I flew down, I got out of the plane, I came back in the next morning, and, and I said, well, Ryan, how do we do? That afternoon, he said, well, I've made 12,500 gallons, <laughs> sir. I went 12,500 gallons. Yeah. You know, so we, when we think of chemistry, we think of volume of chemistry, right? We made two tanker loads. We didn't make a five-gallon drum. But it, it turned out that the Star Hope mission, Hank Rush, uh, needed 1,000 gallons. The first responder, city of Houston, Mayor Turner, we gave them 1,240 gallons. We took care of one of the hospitals here, uh, one of the retirement centers, nursing homes. We took care of hospitals, first responders in Midland, and also in Oklahoma. And, and we tried to really reach out from, through employees, and, and virtue was the goal. It's like, mm -hmm. let's do something good at a moment in time when resource was scarce, uh, just-in-time inventory turned out to be a failure when you enter, enter a crisis like this because it means you have none. And uh, it, was, it was a blessing because we had those materials available to us and we were able to quickly uh, respond to the, the crisis at the time. Okay, so that's awesome. There, there's a part to the story that's yet to be shared that's one of my favorite parts, which is here we have this 12,000 gallons of hand sanitizer, if you will, and how do you transport it? Like, this is the thing. It's flammable. And there's a trucking issue. And here it is, John Gibson, who probably has a pretty great Rolodex. I read to you kind of in the intro what he's all about. You start connecting to people, and you figure out how to get this where it needs to go. Well, I, I called another great man of virtue, <laughs> uh, the CEO of Dawson Geophysical, uh, Stephen Jumper. I've known Steve uh, for a long time. And I said, Steve, is there anything we can do to help in uh, Midland? And I also offered him a chance to, uh, to put in some cash to sort of offset all the cost we were incurring on raw materials. And he said, well, John, I really don't have cash right at the moment, which is understandable. It wasn't a budget item. And uh, we started talking through it. And he said, I know the mayor. I'll call you right back. So he called the mayor of Midland. He called me right back and said, uh, well, John, we, we could use this much. I said, well, after you pass 1,100 pounds, of material, it becomes a, a hazard map situation where you, you have to have the placards and you need qualified drivers. And, and so it's, you know, that's only a, a couple of hundred gallons and they needed far more than a couple hundred gallons. I said, so it's going to be a bit of a delay because I'm going to have to figure out how to get it to you. And he said, now, let me remind you, I'm a geophysical company CEO. I have got drivers and trucks available. I, well, I can't put in cash. Where do you want it to go? I'll make it happen. And so Dawson Geophysical, Midland, Texas, delivered to Houston uh, to help Houston out. I don't know how many people give a big shout out for Midland here, but uh, yeah. they did a great job. And then they also supplied in, in Midland as well. But he's a man with a big heart, uh, great virtue, and believes in, in helping others. And, and we were blessed by Stephen Jumper and Dawson Geophysical. This is the stuff that, it's like these beacons of hope for us, like it makes life just better, right? And to think there's companies that are, 
conscientious and thinking like this is really great. I just want to say well, kudos to you guys, and I love your team, and all of you guys are really like-minded, and it means a lot to all of us. Um, Thank you. Well, let's dive into Flowtech for a minute, because people are probably like, what the hell is up with the orange trees? Did Warren really say nanotechnology? I, I can't believe I used it in a sentence. Let's dive into what that is and what you guys do and what you're known for. Well, I'd, I'd probably encourage you not to use the term <laughs> because much like you, most of our customers have no idea what technology is. And so uh, it, what it really, you want to describe it as is what it does. And so our complex nanofluids really are based upon citrus terpene or, or pine terpene so, uh, and delaminine. And so those molecules really act as a solvent. And so we're able to dissolve organics like asphaltanes and um, as well as uh, you know, paraffins and, and others. But it also helps us with the microemulsion so that we can get a coating on the reservoir so that we can improve the flow of whichever one of the phases we want. We can improve the flow of oil or gas or water. So depending on whether you're trying to inject water or extract oil or gas, we can do a bit of, I'll call it first order refining by mm -hmm. saying let's make it preferential to produce this piece or that out of the reservoir. But the coolest part is it's biodegradable. Yeah. And so you're moving away from BTEX chemicals like xylene, which at greater than 250 parts per million, which is an infinitely small number really, yeah. uh, can be harmful to your health and can get into aquifers, etc. And so we're trying to say even if you make a mistake, it's not a big mistake because the materials you're using are biodegradable materials, it's a green approach, and we're excited about that. That is really great to think that it is that, that it's biodegradable and that it's really from oranges, a lot of this, these Absolutely. items. Okay, so I wanna just kind of revisit a few things that you were saying, which one is, is like, I originally just thought of you guys as like cleaning materials, like that's how, I, me not knowing anything, right? But as I've learned more, going back to production, there's this production element where people who are in the oil and gas industry could actually see sometimes, and I mean, it, I've read it could be up to like a 30% increase just because the way the cleaning product works. Is that right? Yeah. Well, think of it as that surfactant combination solvent and uh, the chemicals we produce. And, and so what we're trying to do uh, is, is to actually get a, a complete coating of the grains, right? So if you've seen a sink where the water beads up, mm -hmm. that's hydrophobic behavior where the, the sink's basically trying to reject the water so it beads up. If it were attracting the water, you'd give an even sheet of water. Mm. And, and you've seen surfaces like that. Sure. Well, we treat the reservoir to get that even coating. And by giving it that even coating, the wetting solution, then we can preferentially produce the phase that, that uh, you're targeting out of your reservoir. Now, I'd go a little too far. Our research guys say we can't get too far down, but we can influence sort of the oil, condensate, gas, water, and uh, we, those are the, the kinds of capabilities we have with the, the complex nanofluids. Wow, okay. When you're in Flowtech, you go into this auditorium that really is significant because there's a lot of education that goes on there. But in addition to that, it's overlooking a really large laboratory and it's this laboratory john that i want to ask you about because one thing is to know what you're doing you're selling product and you're working with all of your clients but what's happening in the research component of what you guys do well it, they've been absolutely instrumental in letting us get into the consumer market but they also do a lot of the testing for customers so uh every situation is different the reservoir itself 
can have different mineralogy, and so you're looking at different sand grains and different minor components and diagenetic activity. And, and so in that lab, they bring in cores, and they look at the mineralogy of that core, and then they look at the chemicals that we produce and the water that's existent in the, in the core, and they look at the interactions between those so that we can improve production. And our goal would be to, to, uh, to actually get a, a really good treatment would be one where we can see anywhere from 10 to 30% uplift in production over what would be expected wow. from a type curve or a, uh, for a particular well in that reservoir. But it is compartment by compartment, so we're, we're constantly working to understand you know, where you are geographically and then how the mineralogy is varying in the reservoir from, from location to location. So there's still quite a lot of technical work done to optimize the chemistry. That's pretty neat. Okay. And then, so your background, you're very data-driven, like you have a lot of experience with, well, your philosophy from what I've heard is that data is really everything for a lot of companies or that people haven't really leveraged data the way it should be. Can't improve what you don't measure. Okay, so let's get into JP3. This is something that where you, like you came to Flowtech and that's where the JP3 acquisition took place or how, what's right. the story I, behind that? I came to Flowtech and I, we had a very strong strategic drive that said that we wanted to move into digital chemistry and we looked at an enorm, uh, not an enormous number, we looked at numerous deals looking at sensors to see if there were new measurements that could be made that would transform the industry and uh, near-infrared sensors were one of those measurements where it gives you data that's not available. Our industry works on API gravity and so API 10 is roughly equal to the same weight as water. And so as the number gets larger, the, the crude gets lighter. So by the time you get up to the 40, 42 range, you're beginning to look like gasoline and, instead of like water and, and the, the gravity's going down. But that doesn't tell you anything about the crude. It just tells you how much it weighs. It's basically a useless indicator of product. And so what we do with JP3 is to say, I'll tell you the exact molecules that are in that sample. I can tell you how many of each one of these particular hydrocarbons are present, how much C8, how much C9, C10, C12, mm. you know, C16. And so at, at that point, now you really understand what the value of the crude is, not what the weight of the crude is. Where is JP3 today? Like, is this happening now for clients or is this in development? It, no, it, so... It's being used in, in both upstream, midstream, and downstream applications. We actually use it in our plant in Marlow to manufacture hand sanitizer and disinfectants I could talk about in a minute. But uh, in the upstream area, when you know that, imagine that you would know enough as the well flowed, flowed through the meter that you could cut the royalty check the day that the crude flowed by. Oh, you would wow. know whether or not to cut them an oil, condensate, a gas check, right? And, and as it turns out, we took a look at this. I was talking to a firm. It, we can actually tell you faster than you can pay them because ACH, you can't clear it fast enough on direct wow. deposit. So we may look at even, you can see out into the future, you'd go, if you'd do that, we might could get the royalty payments down because if you can measure in real time, you could give some of that uh, money directly to the landowner faster. They might discount the royalties instead of being paid quarterly or monthly. They could get being paid daily. Jeez, that's incredible. I mean, this basically what you're talking about is somebody having the ability to real time, almost faster than they can process what they're looking at, information. And auditable, so that you'd know what flowed out of your well, which is what the origin of the technology came from. A landowner, 
and well owner wanted to know whether or not I was being paid fairly. And you go, I'd like to know immediately for each well if I'm getting the correct uh, royalty check. Wow. You jump to midstream in a pipeline where you're, you've got two refined products back to back like uh, diesel and gasoline. And it, when the mixing occurs, that has to be separated. And then it has to be sent back and separated again into the components and then sent down the line again. When you mix like that, it, it costs you about 20 cents a gallon to reprocess that. And given the technology used often today, it can be a half a million dollars in mixed product in, in terms of 500,000 gallons, mm. which would be about a $100,000 cost to go back and redo every time the product in the pipeline changes. So you can look at this and say the first time that you do a measurement here and know to change the valves, you save $100,000, and that means you pay out this device, uh, the, the original installation immediately. It's, yeah. it's really amazing. It's great. And so under your supervision, what do you see JP3 doing for the coming six to 12 months? Like, is this... Is, it, is there evolution in place? Uh, absolutely. When we when we bought it, there were two or three things that, that we had for a premise as to why to do the acquisition. And uh, it, when we looked at it, it had no international footprint at all other mm. than North America. And you go, the, there's huge value for this device throughout the world. And so we have an internationalization of the product going on now. And so there's some additional requirements needed if you're going to put it in an area that has, say, a you know, a 50 degree C temperature range or 150 degrees Fahrenheit, then the electronics have to be tested or potentially cooled, or we have to relocate them to an area that's cooler. The dust parameters, the explosion proof, there's some things for different markets. And so we're trying to design a universal box that meets all the requirements wow. so that we can deploy it throughout Asia, the Middle East, Africa. And uh, we, we're on track to do that. We've cleared all the legal hurdles. That's just some of the mechanical approvals and, and electrical approvals that are required. And uh, our leader, uh, Tank Bang Coyd, is on top of that. And I think uh, we'll see an international shipment here wow. soon. That's incredible. Okay, so let's take JP3 back into Flowtech. How are you using it? You mentioned a little bit about it. Well, there's, there's two ways. One we haven't done yet, but we know how to do, and one we are doing. <laughs> uh, when we were selling sanitizer, uh, you had a lot of competitors that were making products that were contaminated with methanol and, and other BTEX related. Uh, and, and so those are hazardous, and they, a lot of people bought a lot and then had to throw it away. So we thought a selling point might be that you could monitor our manufacturing in real time. So if you were the Department of Defense, you could sit and say, I bought 1,000 gallons or 10,000 gallons, and I can see it manufactured. I can see the contaminants in it. I can see the floor where it's being bottled so that I can have confidence that the inventory exists because I believe there are still customers that purchased inventory in March and April of 2020 that never received it. And mm -hmm. so proof of inventory or proof of manufacturing is critical to, to reliability with customers. So we thought that monitor and putting it on their desktop would be, be super cool. Uh, but also for our customers in oil and gas, when you pump in chemical, let's say we pump in 20,000 gallons. We know we pumped in 20,000 gallons. We want to measure flow back, and we're working with an early adopter customer now on this. And we'd like to see how much of that came back. So if we get half of it back, it means it didn't effectively treat the reservoir. We could have stopped after we pumped half that in. Mm. And when you're really green and you're conscious of that, you want to minimize waste, minimize volume, and you want to actually have data, again, sensors that drive your decisions. And we'd like to know you pumped too much. 
-hmm. and next time you ought to use half as much. Or you could have increased that, and so your effectiveness would have gone up if you had increased it by 20%, and you can walk up to the maximum treatment, wow. not grossly over-treat, and, and put chemicals in the subsurface unnecessarily. That's awesome. Okay, so let me ask you this. Knowing what you know, right, like about Flowtech and what you guys are doing, what are some of your frustrations? Maybe frustrations isn't the right word, but what are the things where you're going, how can I meet more people where this company can really help them? Like who are the executives? What are the types of companies, the manufacturers or whatnot that really should know Flowtech? Well, I mean, I was listening to another interview you did about a new basin coming online. And I think the earlier you start with the idea of green chemistry and, and biodegradable chemistry, the better off you are. So that's really an exciting opportunity. Mm -hmm. I, I got a chance to listen to him on your show, and, and we'll reach out to him. Um, but, but I think it's a case of where Flowtech has been a biodegradable green chemistry company for a decade, and it's taken us a decade to secure 100, over 100 patents that uh, we really understand this biodegradable market. We understand the, the 12 green principles from the EPA. And we're, we're implementing those for customers. And I, I wish, and I think it's happening because boards are having to change and take people that are focused on, on greener solutions and alternatives. And the driver at the sea level is absolutely important because what's wrong now, and it's going to take a few years, is to try to get the people in the trench to do what the, the strategy and direction are is going to take some time. So mm -hmm. alignment through the organizations I wish could occur faster. And I would love to work with more C-suites that go, we'll help you with that alignment, we'll get that product in the field, and we'll become better at sustainability and reduce our, our waste. And so it, it's those C-suites that go, we're going to help you make wow. us greener. That is great. I love it. Okay, just a few kind of subjective questions I want to ask you. Um, I mean, you're a proven leader. You're somebody that when I walked into Flowtech also, like the first thing I noticed is the culture there is the employees are thriving. They seem happy. You know, everybody's super nice. Culture is super important as a CEO and somebody who really, the buck stops with you. What is your belief for any of those entrepreneurs listening or frustrated, uh, frustrated executives that just wish that they could have more alignment in their um, companies the way, in my opinion, Flowtech has, where there's a lot of collaboration and a lot of like uplifting vibes that come out of there. Um, yeah, we even recently have been investing in our culture and in our team. Uh, very first thing you have to have is trust. Uh, in the absence of trust, everything becomes much harder, uh, much more difficult, and, and you really can't get it done. So all of the people on a team really need to trust one another. Uh, that often means sharing some things, you know, that are that are personal. What really motivates you, and what in your life causes you to behave that way? So it does become more of a personal uh, relationships, and mm -hmm. so it, it, they're not family, okay? But wow, you do want the best for them. So yeah. I often tell people that the best culture you can have is where it it's a culture of love, and you you love the people. When you love people, you want the best for them. They tend to want the best for you. And uh, you, you want to give of yourself and them, them give and, and be passionate about their success. And so I hope all of our employees realize how, how excited I am about the possibility for the, a huge success for Flowtech and, and want them to know that they're the reason it'll be successful. It's not me. It's a team effort. It doesn't matter. 
in our company, if you're a, a forklift operator, it, all of us are critical to getting the product out on time, to spec, to the customer, and getting, getting the results that we intend. It takes us all. Um, I, I love the people here. I have in every company, though. The people in companies are great. The thing that really sucks in companies are usually the management team. That's where boards need to make changes. <laughs> you heard it right there, guys. Well, that yep. is really great. So I'm almost going to conclude the interview, but I do want to ask you one last thing, which is you're not a teenager. Like I'm, like I'm born in the 70s, and I often joke that I actually took typing in high school. And when it comes to technology and the way this is just moving so quickly, looking at you, I want to know, like, how the hell are you the guy that's so high tech? <laughs> Um, I, I'm a, a little boy, actually. I mean, I'm just happen to be an old little boy. Curiosity drives my life and, and making things better. And so I read constantly. Uh, I, you know, I'm reading about biodiversity. I'm reading about oceanic processes. Jeez. I'm reading about, I mean, I, I, I built my own newspaper so that I get up in the morning and I can read about the elephants moving across to China. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting wow. how whales are beginning to come in and, and, and feed in Vancouver on their way to the Bering Sea. So those things are like the best because it means I'm I'm excited about the planet, about life, about the people around me and my curiosity. There's absolutely nothing that I wouldn't enjoy learning about. Yeah. I just go, give me some time and I'll go read something. Well, suddenly I feel guilty about my TikTok addiction where I start yeah. the morning off looking at really dumb videos for three minutes. No, yeah, well, you can, my wife loves pet videos. So <laughs> I'm, I'm reading about whales in the Bering Sea and she's watching the Golden Retriever. Uh, but, you know, 42 yeah. years of marriage, I enjoy watching her. Too. When she's happy, uh, I'm happy. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being here, John. Uh, if you guys have not looked into Flowtech, do it. Uh, Public company? Are you guys public? P public company, uh, trade on New York Stock Exchange is FTK. Yeah. Sort of the fundamentals would be, you've got three really good businesses that are more or less startups. And it looks like all three could hit. And so I, I need one to hit big, maybe <laughs> one to hit okay, and one to just be there. But uh, really good optionality, $100 million NOL. Okay. And so about half of that is long-term NOL. So last a lifetime, half is the 80%. Um, you know, just a, a great balance sheet with close to 30 million in cash and, and fantastic employees. And so we really are like buying an option on does green change this industry yeah. and can we make this a better place and keep that social license to operate for as long as we need hydrocarbons. Well, I love it. Thank you. And uh, with that, guys, I do want to send a shout out to the House of Blues. This has been an incredible venue. Um, we have been treated so well. If you're ever having an event and you want to do it at the House of Blues, check it out. We're in downtown Houston. Uh, they're our friends, and we're happy to connect you. And with that, thank you so much, and thank you, John Gibson. Thank you very much. Appreciate Thanks. it. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for July 2021. This month, we have five events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're always interested in staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting our monthly happy hour at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on July 29th. Our June happy hour was a hit, so if you weren't there for the June one, we hope to see you there this month at our July happy hour. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts and network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. Don't forget that it's on July 29th. 
Other than OGDN's events, we have two in-person and two online events. First up, we have our two in-person events. The first one being the Doug, Permian, and Eagle Ford Conference at the Fort Worth Convention Center from July 12th to July 14th. And the next in-person event is the SPE International Data Science Convention at the Norris Convention Center in Houston, Texas on July 8th. Next, we have our two online events. The first being a Cognite webinar titled, From Buzzwords to Boardrooms, What Energy Leaders Really Think About the Transition Towards True Sustainability. And that's on July 8th from 1130 to 1230. And lastly, we have the US Africa Energy Forum, which is online on July 12th. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for July. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Check us out next week for another witty and sometimes spicy episode of the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.